The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, we're going, I'm going to share some of the latest news stories, many of which are related to the pandemic, but relating to sex and, uh, and dating. So that's coming up after 10.15. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me to Lori at DrLori.com. So let me share this email. Uh, good day, Dr. Lori. Your show last night was an eye-opener for me. So if you didn't hear the show, we have the guys on. So lots of stuff was discussed uh, from a guy's perspective, much of which was about nice guys and what's a too nice guy and things like that. She goes on to say, I am of Greek origin, as is my boyfriend. I'm not sure how much you know of the Greek male culture, but I do. A person texted in regarding him being abused. He gave no details, but the responses of the two male panelists was leave or dump her. The voice of the man, uh, one of them was Costa, which is a very Greek name, sounded like my boyfriend. Greek men in general are unlike French Canadians, Italians, who love to raise voices. Being Greeks... We can be somewhat argumentative. I've dated a few Greeks, and if their partner complains about something, his response is often, if you don't like it, leave, or something along those lines. Today, we got into a difference of opinion, and he said what he always says. But today, he did not get my standard reply. Here it is, and I quote, (laughs) I'm going to have to bleep a lot of this stuff. Listen, a-hole, who the F do you think you are to say that to me? He tried to talk. Shut the F up for two minutes and listen for a change without interrupting. You have two choices. One, either stop your ultimatums with me and your meaningless threats. Choice two, pack up and get the F out because I'm not putting up with your F and BS anymore. And if you pick uh, choice one, if you ever speak to me like that again, there will be no second chances. No, I'm sorry's at all. Do you understand? Yes or no? Are you shocked that I'm swearing? Because I never swear. Sometimes the only way to get through to an F and a-hole is to speak in a language he can understand. This is what she says to uh, him, her boyfriend. He freaked out and said, yes, I understand, and I'm going for a walk. I'm sure he will take it out on some tree, but enough is enough. I called a girlfriend who is Greek too, married to a Greek, and said, good for you. I did the same thing a few years ago. It is a typical Greek male attitude to form a conclusion without knowing all the facts. It is a male cultural fault. Did Costa even suggest marriage counseling? No, but you did. Uh, if he stays, fine. If he leaves, it will be heartbreaking, but I am not tolerating being spoken to like that every time we have a disagreement. He is still away on his walk, been over 30 minutes now, and he forgot his cell phone somewhere. Some tree is getting kicked bad. So clearly this is your experience. I don't know if that's the same experience for everybody who's dated a a Greek male like a, or a Greek woman. I, I I don't I would I hate to make huge generalizations like this, but what you've shown me in this is that you set your boundaries. The important thing to do is to follow through. You cannot just 
threaten in this way. If you are saying it's choice one or choice two, if this happens again, it's over, then it must be. Like there has to be consequences to whatever it is that you are saying. Like you're setting a boundary, you have to follow through. Otherwise you will not be taken seriously and this, and, and this will be a repetitive um, cycle. Uh, let's see. I, somebody's writing in about, uh, the Partridge family, (laughs) my comment about the Partridge family. Um, trivia question. Hold on. It says, I bet the mom needed you for counseling. LOL. Take a look at the kids. I guess they're on Facebook. A blonde, a redhead, brunettes. None of them look like they came from the same gene pool. Um, trivia question. The Partridge family was based on a real life singing family, what family? I have no clue. Like, I am so bad at trivia. That, like, so bad. Uh, but, hey, it's the Richard family then? I don't know. Uh, who is it? You Somebody let me know. Um, okay, so I want to read this. This was an email that came through last night, okay? And um, it came through at the beginning. I didn't have much time. Actually, the guys responded to it as well, but... I wanted, I started thinking about it a little bit more and I wanted to kind of revisit this a little bit and see what some people thought about this as well. So I'm going to repeat it. It's not very long. I've been in a long distance relationship with an inmate in a relationship for months. I met him doing service as a pen pal. He turned out to be the most beautiful, kindest, reliable man I've ever known. I wish to marry him. We have deep intimacy on all levels. It's hard to be so far apart. We were finally going to meet, but due to the borders being closed, this isn't possible. I'm suffering from depression uh, through this. I feel like long-distance relationships are challenging, but so very worth it if it's a soulmate love. However, now I won't even be able to meet him. A part of me wants to walk away as I'm so invested in him and it is overbearing to deal with all the parameters against us. Any tips as to be strong and not sabotage this relationship? I feel like I'm consumed with the things that tear us apart. So for me, I have a lot of questions. Like I I can understand your pain in writing this. Okay, I I want you to know that I can feel empathy for your pain and I have compassion for you. But I think there are deeper issues here that you are so invested in a relationship that A, you have never met the person and that you are simply pen pals with, that that you develop this relationship. But there, I have other questions and I just want you to consider these questions and then I'll share some of our texters, uh, um, things with them. So first thing I would want to know is what is this guy in for? He's in jail. What What is he in for? To me, this is for me. I don't know for anybody else, but to me, this would matter because if he has a, a history of violence, for example, what makes you sure that that just disappears or that will never happen again or what have you? Uh, how long is he in for? Is he in for life? If, is he in for the next 10 years? Is he in for the next three years? Like wh- how long is he in for? And do you plan to marry him while he is in jail? Do you plan like to marry him without ever having seen him and 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 uh, been with him outside of prison? Like to see him in everyday life, to um, to be able to watch how he interacts with people. Like if your only contact is through letters, I. 
I have a hard time with this. To me, that like that, there's just a lot of red flags there. You cannot possibly be. This is not. This is not true intimacy until you spend actual, real, in real life time with somebody. It is fantasy intimacy, but it's not real intimacy. Um, and unfortunately, long distance relationships where you and whether prison, not prison, that that part doesn't matter. But whether when you haven't spent any time together or you've never met, rarely turn out the way you fantasize about. Because that isn't real life. You just don't know how this person is in the context of real life. So how can you assess if he is your perfect match, your soulmate, as you say, without all this information? So I just want you to consider this and think about this, okay? And I want uh, our listeners to text in, even call in if you'd like at 514-790-0800 or text in your thoughts at 514-800. We are a community here and uh, we help each other. So this person reached out. Let's give some feedback. If, uh, if, this is, if somebody reaches out, it's because they want the feedback. So let's give them that. This is Passion on CJAD 800. So before I get to some of the stories that I wanted to share with you, I want to share some of the text messages that have come in regarding this uh, woman who uh, is trying to deal with a long-distance relationship. But the long-distance is that her um, soulmate is, uh, is in jail, basically, and I don't have much more information than that, except that she's actually never met him, but she still wants to marry him, but that wasn't her question. Her question is about how to cope with the uh, the separation and how not to sabotage the relationship. And I, I really think this person needs to see uh, a therapist just to figure out her feelings and to, to just for a little bit of a reality check as well to see why is she invested so much into uh, into this. A uh, couple of texts. One good thing about dating an inmate, never have to worry about where he is. Yeah, okay. Um, I lived across the street from a woman with a young daughter friend in the same situation. When he got out, he raped her in front of her daughter. Inmates are in a situation in which they have zero control. Having someone on the outside looks great when you are passing in front of the parole board. Mm, okay, I'm just sharing what's what's on here, Okay. Uh, Dr. Lori, for the jailbird, the ma- major red flag is having the border shut down as a deal breaker. A real love wouldn't change anything, but uh, jail pen pals always beware. Another texter says, makes me think of your story where the guy's wife is going to meet up with a guy in, uh, this was in Nigeria, I think. Yes, and this was another kind of a romance scam. So I think what you're, what you're equating it to is, is very much like that. Like it's on that level of, uh, you know, somebody getting you so invested in a relationship, but what is the, what's the purpose in the end? Is the purpose to look good in front of a parole board? Is it real? Especially you've never met the person. So in the Nigerian situation, she was sending money. I think it was, it was somewhere in Africa. She was sending this guy money who she'd been fallen in love with. Um, 
With a prisoner, he has no choice but be nice. When he gets out, you will be dropped like a hot potato. That's someone else. So these are are some of the comments that I want to share that uh, from from our listeners. Again, you know, take with take what you want out of it, but um, I don't think people are here to to be hurtful. I think uh, you know, um, I think we all kind of want to look out for each other and. There's there's actual real uh, concern, real concern here. Um, Drew on said, did you get any follow-up to the Nigeria story? Did he divorce her or kick her out? Yeah, I believe he did. I believe that they separated, um, and she actually did go, I believe, to Africa. Okay, a couple of things here that I found, uh, found interesting. First of all, has anybody seen uh, Tiger King? First of all, this this it's become like this. It's a docu docu series basically uh, about a uh, a guy, uh, Tiger King. Joe Exotic is his uh, stage name, basically, um, who runs like uh, a zoo, but he he trades in tigers basically but it's a whole like it's a very complicated story about that whole industry i didn't even know there was such an industry but found out a whole lot of stuff it was quite um eye opening and i just finished watching it uh today it took me quite a while because frankly at some point it was like i cannot watch this anymore i just thought it was not the best but a fascinating um, look at an industry I knew nothing about. So I was actually, um, a little bit, uh, like I was interested simply because it was something I, I had not heard about, but this guy's in jail now. It's this is not a, uh, uh, I'm not giving it away or anything. You, this is the story. So if you heard of Joe exotic, you would know that he is now, uh, stuck in jail. But what's interesting is that the other people, there's a whole lot of people involved in this, um, in, in this guy's life, obviously, and that they are uh, spilling secrets, basically, talking about the the life behind the scenes of this. As you know, any any made any movie or documentary series, I mean, it's edited to look good for us, right? It's not always completely accurate. They make people out to look a certain way, and not always uh, quite that accurate. So. He is, uh, yes, he is in, uh, in jail and he was the kind of guy who you could call him a, a complete narcissist. Like there is no question this guy had a narcissistic personality disorder and, uh, he was a gay man who was married to two different men at the same time, by the way. Uh, one of them, uh, was, uh, uh, Dylan and I forget the other one's name. I forget the other one's name, but nonetheless, uh, so, uh, what, um, Dylan said was that, uh, he said he let loose another reason to dislike exotic who's uh, Joseph Maldonado passage uh, to, to hate him even more. <laughs> uh, apparently he's a really big Trump supporter. So that was something that made, made the news. So he was in prison for hiring a hitman to kill the animal rights activist, Carol Baskin. So the whole series is about a fight between those two people. Basically, uh, he's serving a 22 year sentence and he has recently asked Trump for a pardon. The president said, he actually said he would look into it during a White House coronavirus briefing. See, nothing better to talk about than Joe 
came, then the Joe Exotic. Wow. Um, so Passage was discussing Exotic's request when he told the host, it's kind of a big deal having the president address something like that. Joe's a really big Trump supporter. When Joe heard that Trump was going to look into it, he was really excited to see what could possibly happen. I'm not sure it was the excitement of getting the pardon, but more the excitement that Trump paid him some attention. Remember, we're talking about Joe Exotic being quite... Um, quite a narcissist but it's uh anyway it's worth uh worth seeing apparently he's been compared to the president which i'm sure does not make the president very uh happy but this is how they've been compared Uh, i'm reading this i'm not this is not my words although i can't say i disagree uh they are both compulsive liars misogynists and business cheats with a penchant for bitter grudges against perceived enemies other people's words, not they're not my words, okay? Uh, okay, a couple of texts here uh, in relation to uh, our situation, the long distance, I want to marry this person, in, this inmate thing. Let me see. Uh, she should look into the story of the woman who fell deeply in love with a man she never met. This woman even gave him all her savings, about a million dollars. The YouTube title is The Invisible Man. He actually didn't exist. Photos of a military man were used. The woman wound up committing suicide. Very sad how people fall for fantasy people they've never met. Beware. Although I think this guy exists. Uh, I don't, um, you know, she was set up as a volunteer pen pal with an inmate. So I don't know. I don't think that this person is fake. Nonetheless, uh, long distance relationships rarely work. Is uh, this text right? Second depends what he is in for, but I advise extreme caution, get lots of background on him and make an informed decision. Now's a good time to like Google somebody, right? And, And find everything you can about them. Uh, as for the prisoner relationship, we are all now in a similar situation. If we don't live with our friend, then we cannot easily see and definitely can't hug or kiss any anything else. In that way, it feels like imprisonment. Well, more less than I think it's more like a long distance relationship because we can still connect uh, quite easily with uh, our loved ones, our friends, our our lovers, our partners, whatever it is, uh, through all the different access we have to media. Whereas I think this person, it's only letter writing back and forth. So it doesn't, you can still leave your house, you know, it's not, uh, but it does, it, it does feel lonely and the same loneliness you would feel in that long distance kind of relationship way. Uh, Lori, I actually disagree with intimacy being fantasy unless it occurs in person, as it all depends upon the quality of authenticity, depth and resonance of interaction and connection, rather, which ultimately unfolds via verbal communication, sharing and exchange that may or not may or may not be accentuated and complemented through physical interaction, considering you don't necessarily require the latter to establish the former, whereas the reverse is not necessarily equally true, as many physical relationships lack true intimacy nonetheless. I think what you heard me say is not what I actually what not what I meant. I think what you heard me say is that you need to have the physical intimacy to have real intimacy. That's not what I meant. You can absolutely develop intimacy without the sex, without ever touching. But what I'm saying is getting to know somebody in their 
in their element, in their environment, in it, it, we don't, it doesn't happen in a bubble. Relationships don't occur in a bubble and they should not occur in a bubble because it makes us very short sighted when that happens. And when we create this small little bubble for just me and you, and we don't look at anything else on the outside of that, that bubble is a fantasy. It is a fantasy. So you need, this is why you need that, um, that contact, like, as, and I'm talking especially if you've never met the person. It's one thing if you have met, if you've established a relationship, and then you're separated. Then that intimacy has already been established, and it will only deepen with, even with time apart where you, where you speak and you letter write or you text or you talk or you, whatever it is. You are then deepening that, but You've already been with the person, and I don't mean physically, but in in the presence of somebody and been able to assess for yourself as well how that person is in the context of a larger life, not just in that little bubble. Uh, text writes, this inmate may exist, but he doesn't exist for real unless she gets to know him in person. He could be telling her what he knows she wants to hear. I agree. So there's that as well, uh, that to consider. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about Anthony Fauci giving a seemingly tacit okay to hookups during the pandemic. And we'll talk about that after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Your texts and calls, you know, are always welcomed here. 514-800 to text in, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. Karen joins us on the line. Hi, Karen. Hi. How are you? Oh, hanging are in you, there. Are you safe? Yes, yes, I'm safe, but I don't know about that woman, because I was imagining, you know, if I was her mother, oh, Lord, so I had to call in. Uh, Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Imagine if it was your daughter. Like, if it was my daughter, I think I'd have a bird. Well, (laughs) there's only so much you can say, you know, without uh, making it even more interesting for them, but, uh, you know, aren't most uh, convicts, con artists? Uh, um, oh, good. Okay, that's a good point right there. Right, mm-hmm. and th- this man is not free. He he can't do anything but probably write a letter. <laughs> so, um, you know, what do, does she know? What does she know about his background? You know, right. well, his, I, his family. I, actually, you're his, right. I don't his know friends. I, well, she didn't share any of that. But right. but one of our texters wrote in: Not everybody's in prison for violent crimes, and if there's any compassion, they do deserve to have a life still. Which I agree. Not everybody is there for a, a violent crime. But how do we know they're not? But most con of them, most Vicks. of them are most of them so. are con artists, liars in one way or another, and they seem to be very good at zoning in on what people need. Mm. So, um, right. right, and t- to give that person, that's what a lot of these um, well, those are psychopaths. human traffickers <laughs> do with these uh, young women. So um, she needs to be a good PI, people investigator. 
You know what? I, I think you're right because it's very easy to get duped by a psychopath. And one texter wrote in, in regards to inmate romance, Luca Magnotta got married in prison. Just saying, you don't know what awaits you on the other end. So yeah. there's got, and I think there might be even research, I should look into it, but research into people who do marry inmates, for example. I think there's a, there is a, um, there is a, a kind of a profile. I have to look, look into that a bit more before I open my mouth, but yeah. This situation, just hearing about it scares me and I'm just wondering why isn't she running away? Cause it's so scary you know there are a lot of people in that situation though like there are a lot of uh, these relationships that develop it's not so uncommon i mean uncommon in in the scope of everybody yes but it does happen probably more often than uh than we even know about but well, uh, you know what maybe i'll look more into interesting that. men in the world than that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that aren't locked up so find one that's available that's another thing what about finding somebody who's available you yeah know, sometimes we choose people that are not available for our own personal reasons well, unconscious she, reasons she can look at the male models in her life and see if she really knows you know mm-hmm. what a wonderful man is well this but is if why. she wants to have a wonderful relationship she's got to find a wonderful man yes and who presumably or preferably lives outside of jail well, <laughs> right now uh, i don't think a wonderful man would would you know even ask a woman to have a long distance relationship mm. or go any further mm. interesting great point karen thanks so much okay. for calling in good night all right you stay safe thank you all right bye-bye uh, so I, I, this was interesting. You know, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he is the uh, pretty much the most prominent member of the White House right now. He's uh, part of the Coronavirus Task Force. He's an expert in infectious diseases. He's like, he knows everything there is to know, basically, about this uh, this this disease. So he did a an interview with Vanity Fair about what people should be doing to reduce the risk of transmitting the virus. And he covered all kinds of things like travel, festivals, uh, and even online hookups. The host asked him uh, what people should be doing if they're going a little stir-crazy. And... Um, he asked him, if you're swiping on a dating app like Tinder or Bumble or Grinder, and you match with someone that you think is hot and you're just kind of like, oh, maybe it's fine if this one stranger comes over. What do you say to that person? So what he was actually involved in the whole uh, with the global pandemic uh, during the HIV epidemic. So he was one of those top guys there, uh, too. So he br- what he started talking about is relative risk or how exposure to something can increase the probability of a certain outcome compared to a certain baseline. And this concept has been key to fighting HIV transmission since many sex acts present a risk of infection, but the relative risk of certain acts is greater than others, and some level of risk might be acceptable for one person, but not for another person. So uh, safer sex education, for example, usually focuses on information about relative risk instead of telling people to never have sex again. So using that same logic, he said, if you really feel that you don't want to have any part of this virus, then you'll follow all the guidelines, maintain six feet away, wear a mask, etc., if you're willing to take a risk, and you know everybody has their own tolerance for risks, 
you could figure out if you want to meet somebody. And it depends on the level of the interaction that you want to have. If you're looking for a friend, sit in a room and put a mask on and, you know, chat a bit. If you want to go a little more intimate, well, then that's your choice regarding um, a risk. Uh, if you're going to hook up with someone from an app or meet up with a friend, asking the other person if they're sick will not help you assess risk at all. That's like asking somebody if they're HIV positive or, or not, or, or something like that, or, or if they're feeling well, like, are you, are you okay? Are you clean? Are you, whatever those questions are, that, that doesn't really get the answers really, because with COVID-19, it's asymptomatic, right? It is passed on from asymptomatic people. You do not have to be sick to infect somebody. So that's, uh, otherwise it would be much easier to tell if somebody is sick to stay away from them. This is what makes this so problematic, um, by the way. So he says, while one-on-one interactions do present some risk of transmitting the virus, public health officials are more focused on large gatherings of people like concerts, church services, cruises, and where people, and places where people interact with each other and touch the same objects. He says, large gatherings really make me nervous because outbreaks and clusters have been the things that have fueled outbreaks in different cities throughout the world. One of the real tragic things was that in Wuhan, the city in which this virus emerged, at a time when it was clear that there was a viral transmission in the community, the Chinese held a 40,000-person massive block party celebrating some Chinese festival. That just exploded it. And New Orleans had the Mardi Gras. Look what happened after the Mardi Gras. So he's still telling you that you... You know, it's important to assess the risk. He's not telling you not to, but that we each have to assess the risk for ourselves. But my thing is, it's not just for ourselves. Also think about if you catch it asymptomatically, let's say, and you go visit your aging parents or you go visit your grandparents or you shouldn't be doing any of that, right? There shouldn't be any visits, but what about the people, you know, in your... I mean, again, uh, if you're going out for a hookup, are you visiting anybody else? Like, there's a, a few questions here, but I think we all have to assess uh, the situation. I err on the side of caution and say no contact with anybody and uh, and keep it like that for now and follow the guidelines. Maybe I'm just one of those rule followers rather than rule breakers. That's me, but I'd rather... I'd rather play it safe. (laughs) I'm not much of a risk taker in that respect. Anyway, uh, coming up, we'll talk about um, a church that uh, stayed open and what the consequences of that ended up being. And that's coming up. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. A couple more texts uh, I want to share with you uh, about the uh, the woman who wants to marry an inmate. 
Uh, I fell for and still have feelings for a guy that I hardly knew who is an ex-con. He just wanted sexual favors. He knew how to shower with affection, sweet talk, and charm, but he was so selfish and didn't reciprocate pleasure. I eventually ghosted him because I knew I was being used, but I am surprised that I miss him after one month. Well, you, what you might miss is the showering of affection. The, the fantasy part of it is what you, you might miss, right? Uh, another texture writes in, uh, doesn't it say more about the person wanting to marry an inmate in the first place, rather with regards to there being something fundamentally wrong as opposed to the criminal whose values or lack thereof are fairly obvious? It does say a lot about the person, and which is why I recommended doing a little bit of soul searching with a therapist to understand this this big draw towards um, towards somebody like that. Although I'm judging the like that, like I'm 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 judging this person that I don't know. I don't know what he's in for. I don't know if he is a narcissist or a psychopath or violent or not, I can know nothing. So I, I, you know, I have to be a little bit careful about making any blanket statement without really, uh, knowing. So there's that. Mm, Here's an interesting fact. Had the San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl, the parade would have taken place at the same time of when San Francisco was starting the infection, estimated that tens of thousands more would have been infected. Kansas City infection started long after their parade. Talk about fate. <laughs> yeah, talk about fate uh, for sure. Mm, the Passion Poet gives us a new little poem tonight. We are uh, living a new world. This is becoming very clear. Some of us finding it hard. Some of us living in fear. We all have friends and family that we cannot see. It's like a community prison and we just cannot break free. But there is someone who loves you. They want you to be fine. Please just be patient. It will take much more time. Thank you for that. Always puts a, a smile on our on our face. And I have to repeat this line. I think I'm going to repeat it every night now because I just love it. Greg wrote in last night, COVID-19 has done something no woman has been able to do. Canceled all sports, closed all bars, and kept their men home. <laughs> love it. Uh, text writes in, some people think that everybody has some good in them and second chances, even though it might be naive. Well, I like to think that everybody has some good in them, but some good doesn't necessarily make for the be- a great partner or mean that you have to give them a, uh, a second chance. You still have to look out for number one, who is yourself, since you're the one who has, who has to live the, with the consequences of your choices as well, right? And here, the consequences of this person's choice baffles the mind. All right, Louisiana pastor Tony Spell has been in the national headlines for the past weeks because of his refusal to follow his state's ban on large gatherings. He was arrested in late March and, still defiant, he bussed parishioners in for a church service. Now a member of his church has died of COVID-19 and his lawyer has been hospitalized due to the complications from COVID-19. He runs the Life 
Tabernacle Church near Baton Rouge, and he has been touring the media to denounce his state's stay-at-home order, which does not contain a religious exemption. He says, we bring people into the house of God, feed them both natural food and spiritual food, and then we go back into our respective places. He said, adding that his church has a command from God. On Easter, which was what, last week? His church held a massive service with 1,100 attendees in seven different buildings. Uh, one of the, uh, the person there, uh, uh, what's his name, Harold Aurelian, 78, was one of six people in the Baton Rouge area to pass away Wednesday from COVID-19. Spell has confirmed that Aurelian was a member of the church, so another member of that church died. Uh, the church lawyer, who's 56, also fell ill and has been uh, hospitalized. He's on oxygen right now. And... Um, the lawyer attended a press event at the Life Tabernacle Church on April 2nd and a service at the church on April 5th, but he insists that he could have caught it anywhere. Okay, really? Uh, I went to Albertsons twice a day. I went to Sam's. I went to Walmart. I went to Lowe's. I used the gas pump. I mean, I just wasn't careful. God knows where I got it. Please. The bad thing is I might have spread to somebody. Yeah, duh. That's the problem. There's the big issue. Maybe you don't care, but you could be passing it on. That's the problem. Um, the lawyer has been helping Spell fight misdemeanor charges against him connected to keeping his church open, and he said that his, hospitaliza his hospitalization has not changed his belief that Spell is right. I'm very proud of Pastor Spell, he says. I think he's one of the few people who understands we shouldn't just throw away our civil liberties without a fight just because there's some kind of crisis going on. Yeah, some kind of crisis. A crisis that is killing people. Okay. Um, members of Spell's church have taken the pandemic in stride. One congregant explained that he's not scared of the virus. When it's my time, it's my time. But another neighbor of the church called the services utterly uh, ridiculous. After his arrest on March 31st, Spell argued that religious freedom meant that his church could not be stopped from holding services. Central Police Chief uh, accused Spell of putting people's lives at risk for his own self Promotion. Mr. Spell will have his day in court where he will be held responsible for his reckless and irresponsible decisions that endangered the health of his congregation and our community. This is not an issue over religious liberty and it's not about politics. We are facing a public health crisis and expect our community's leaders to set a positive example and follow the law. So there you have it. Um, yeah, people have died. And again, another one. This was another pastor that died. Here's here again. Uh, this one's a homophobic pastor set to speak at the Make America Straight Again. Yes, that is a conference. Uh, he has said that if he dies from coronavirus, because it's he's fine with it because he insists on continuing to go to church anyway, and he says it will be worth it. Um, Anyway, that is an actual event. But anyway, this guy, Patrick, uh, Pastor Patrick Boyle of Revival Baptist Church in Florida, uh, played a large part in, in that uh, big uh, conference. He has said some pretty, pretty nasty things. He also recently claimed that AIDS is God's punishment for homosexuality. 
and that trans people are disease ridden and he's made all kinds of, uh, of things. He has been keeping his church open during the coronavirus pandemic, by the way, um, because the Florida governor classified religious services, believe it or not, as essential, uh, business. In a sermon this week, he told his congregation, Hey, we're not spreading the virus. We're spreading the word of God. I mean, that's what's gonna save, uh, souls. And if people are really dying out there, wouldn't they need this more? Wouldn't they need someone who's not fearful to wipe away the fear and walk out by faith and spread the word of God? Wouldn't they need that? But he added, if they died because they continued to church, then they would be martyrs. You know, when you get to heaven, what you're going to hear is well done, well done, good and faithful, sir. Because the Bible tells you for a martyr, there's not a reproach in heaven. There's a crown in heaven. That tells me that dying for God is probably one of the most noble things that you could do. You might die of the coronavirus, this pastor says. Then there's a crown in heaven waiting for me. If I'm on my deathbed, and by the way, I don't think it's going to happen over, it's way overhyped. But if I died of the coronavirus, you know what my last words would be? It's worth it. There's not a thing I change. Why? Because the victory ultimately comes from the Lord. This is what this pastor has said. Yeah, a lot of crackpots out there, I have to tell you. Um, to me, anyway, that's just, it go, that's beyond. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I just, no. Uh, anyway, on that note, um, I'm going to say goodnight to you. Uh, thank you for spending your week with me. I hope you were here for the week. I will be back again next week for sure. Uh, thank you for all of your texts. Uh, thanks to our technical producer, Nicole, and our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. Very much appreciated. If you want to connect with me, you can do that on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. Uh, or through my website, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, and you can find all the past podcasts there as well. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a good rest of the evening, a great weekend, stay safe, and remember to live your life with passion.